Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to A Conversation with Wano Saban, Part 1. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Tuesday, March 16th in the year 2023. Tonight we have the first part of a two-part interview with Juan Osaven. And I think you're going to enjoy this. This is a very leveled and very based conversation. One's currently in Hawaii and actually just recently got married. And we just have a, a solid conversation about some of the things that we're facing and some of the possibilities that are ahead. We have been through a very tough time as a nation in the last five years, almost seven at this point in time when we consider the first entry of President Trump into the race. And with this, it's easy to lose perspective on how much distance has been traveled and also how many challenges have been faced as a nation to try to restore this nation back to a constitutional republic. It's also very easy to forget how an operation of this magnitude to wake people up and then then to mobilize the citizenry to stand up for their nation, how much that requires deep plants, people to be able to get inside organizations as Juan calls it, the Handshake Club, and to be able to penetrate and reveal all that's going on. So many people in D.C. have literally sold their soul, and they've sold it for the wrong reasons, whether it's money, promises of power, we know that. And to a large degree, D.C. is just a corrupted pit of hell. But there are good people within those ranks. And we're going to be talking about some of that tonight, among other things, as we just kind of look at the current crises and give it a glimpse to what's ahead. And one thing that's absolutely for certain right now, Patriots, is that food has become a weapon and they are doing all they can to squeeze down on our food supplies, to crush the supply chains and force people to comply, literally bow to them as they force starvation on the public. Don't be caught short. One of the great places to make sure that doesn't happen is to get your base supplies, supplies that will last up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Patriots, with all the danger out there in today's world, many Americans are concerned about the very real possibility of prolonged food shortages. That's why I urge everyone to secure a supply of long-term emergency food while you still can. And I highly recommend you choose My Patriot Supply as your supplier. They're the nation's largest preparedness company. And right now, they're offering a special deal when you buy their three-month emergency food kit, which lasts up to 25 years in storage. With each kit you order, you'll receive a bonus package of crucial survival gear worth over $200 for free. The three-month emergency food kit guarantees your family will have peace of mind during a disaster and the survival gear will help you be even more prepared. The kit includes breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks with over 2,000 calories a day. Best of all, this food is tasty. Your whole family will love it. To get your emergency food and your free survival gear worth over $200, go to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Patriots, there's no time to waste. Over these last few years, we've seen the truth of this nation brought to the forefront. And the level of corruption is quite frankly stunning. And yet it's been the solid message of truth that has been able to cut through into the darkness. Our nation right now is not going to change overnight. The situation that we're in took years to get here. But we also know that it's going to take a two-pronged effort. In special operations, when I worked there, it's what we call top-down, bottom-up. The bottom-up piece we do every day As we engage, tell truth, we worship, we pray, and we truly push to awaken people around us as much as possible. And if we don't awaken them, we at least position ourselves to such a degree that when things do start to fall, and they will, people hopefully will have an idea where to go to get some solid understanding 
of what's going on and how to look at the world. On the other end, you're going to have to have one way or another some intersection with law enforcement or those of good moral character that are in our government and in the places where they can affect solid change. And it's hard to see that that's even happening at times. We've heard tons of rumors about tribunals and the military is the only way. And really what we've started to realize is those terms are in core truth, but the answer is really the form that they take is very different. There is no question in my mind that there are things going on behind the scenes. And it's very difficult to say what exactly those are. We don't have access to those classified operations, but there are things that are happening. Juan has been one who has talked a lot about that. And to be honest, they some of the things he's put forward have been very controversial and some haven't, have not come to pass. But I'm very comfortable with today's interview with Juan because we start in a process of talking about the general direction of the country and what's really going to be required for Americans to start taking things back. Ultimately, this is going to be a local fight. And though there is going to be and most likely will be events that happen, I think we can all agree because the truth that's pouring out right now is leaving the elites massively exposed. And when I say elites, we're dealing with an elite fight one way or the other, but there is a cabal of people that are dark and evil. They believe in being predatorial on the earth. They believe in predatorizing, being predators to children. They believe in all of this. And so to really come to grips with much of this, we have to start to understand that there are good people within the ranks. Wherever there is evil, there is always good. That's just a fact of life. And so there is a good balance of things happening. But at the end of the day, the change of this nation is not going to happen because of an elite few that suddenly changed the world. It's going to happen because Americans want the change to happen. Americans reclaim their moral footing and Americans take their country back as the Declaration of Independence gave us as a duty to throw off governments that became despotic, which is exactly what our government is. And one of the tools that they're using right now, Patriots, obviously is money as a weapon system. They're going to try to break your ability to save, break your ability to have any sort of future retirement. And it's important right now to migrate your savings, if you have them, in from an IRA and 401k into precious metals. Now, again, I'm not an investment advisor. I don't wear a white coat. I don't play a doctor on TV. But we do have some folks at Birch Gold that can help. Patriots, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home. Quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years." End quote. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. The folks at Birch Gold are amazing. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text BARDS to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text BARDS to 989898. This is one of those decisions you will never regret. Do it today. So, Patriots, without further ado, allow me to introduce Wano Saving. I just picked up a Sim Angus bull. It's pretty nice. Well, you know, I was out there and uh, it uh, it was down Texas last year uh, at something and uh, Herbster out of Nebraska had a beautiful uh, Angus Mm -hmm. uh, bull that he had out there for the auction. And I couldn't believe how cheap it went. Nobody understood what they were seeing there. And he put that on the uh, auction block. And I I was at the back of the... uh, 
thing and I bid, but they couldn't see me because I was at the back of the auditorium. Right. And uh, somebody yelled up front, but they closed it out. They sold it for 50 grand. It was probably worth 100, 125. Wow. And Herb, <laughs> we talked at the time. I was like, crap. I mean, you can see it in the video. I was in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was a huge, there was probably 3,000 people in there. Nobody knew what they had. I was, was going to bid up to 60. And uh, it just didn't happen. But anyway, I, yeah, very fun. Well, let me introduce you. So, Patriots, we're. Once again, we are honored to have Juano Saban on the show. He's, uh, I believe you're in Hawaii. Is that correct, Juan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. We're going to have a good conversation today, kind of get caught up on some things and see what's going on in the world and what's going on with Juan and kind of take it from there. So how are you? Well, good. I, You know, uh, there's so much happening, and I know that people are just uh, getting a bit desperate uh, about the border situation, what's going on over at the house, uh, uh, just so many angles that, uh, things are coming unraveled. And, uh, uh, so we probably should dive into it and start picking at them one at a time. Um, the, the main thing that people need to understand is that as desperate as it is right now, uh, we're a big country. we got some serious, serious, serious problems. Nobody's dismissing that the magnitude and seriousness of the problems, but uh, you can't lose your head and you got to work the problem. And uh, most everything traces back to an out of control uh, federal government and the agencies uh, of the federal government that have completely, uh, they're violating the civil rights of every American with the way that they're conducting themselves because they're sold out to uh, uh, globalist groups that have uh, put their people in power uh, within these various agencies and, and uh, have them controlled. So uh, we're going to have to work our way out of this hole, but it is doable. It's not uh, impossible, but it's, it's, it's going to be a bit of drama ahead. We're not done. Let's start with Hawaii, actually, because this is a really interesting outlier. There's a lot of Chinese investment over there. They've had some of the strictest COVID rules in the nation. And I take it most of that's been relaxed since you're there. So what's what's going on over there? Well, I mean, I, you know, early on, uh, Roseanne Barr, you know, uh, we talked a number of times I was going to come over uh, really to something with her museum, women's museum over here. And uh, we just couldn't do it because the, the rules were so strict. The, the whole um, quarantine and everything else. And it was it was based on what you know, more and more people accept and understand was uh, really false science. And, uh, but, you know, these draconian lockdowns, of course, being a high tourist area, uh, the idea that uh, uh, you would get people in from all over the world here uh, made them extremely vulnerable. And so, you know, you understand, and I, I actually don't throw stones that hard within what they understood was going on they were trying to protect you know their future but the information that was being passed down and acted on was was false from the top it wasn't uh, you know people at the hawaii level um, out of their minds because uh, they were just reacting to what was being said was going on which wasn't true so the the, the nature of, of of you know the stuff and of course such a large percentage of people here got the, the vaccine, which has, you know, uh, I think at this point, inarguably uh, serious consequences. And uh, um, so you have to, you know, the, uh, those populations that are more heavily vaxxed uh, have greater um, complications that uh, are going to show up on the numbers. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the border since you brought it up. I think it's probably a good place to dig in because that's a big issue. Um, I told you the other day when we talked that I'm still smiling about this. They're still getting rain on that border one. We prayed for it on Wednesday and Thursday, and the rain has poured down. They had eight and a half inches, and the Rio Grande has swelled. They can't even cross. So, Well, I know that there's a lot still getting through, and, and uh, uh, the problem is uh, when they throw them on the buses and the airplanes, um, they're doing something similar that was done with uh, people out of Africa that were coming in on uh, 
aircraft. Uh, literally, they were uh, leasing huge commercial aircraft and going to Africa and flying them in by the plane loan and giving them uh, ID uh, as soon as they landed as though they were citizens and uh, and then their checks. And so we've been under this continuing assault. Um, and I, I would say it this way. Uh, they are violating the civil rights of every American. And it's not states that are doing this. It's all being done at the federal level. There is no legal mechanism. Remember, remember when uh, Roe versus Wade happened and uh, in the opinion, uh, Justice Thomas included that uh, he said an earlier court erred in its judgment. And then uh, he also noted that there were a number of similar cases where uh, the court had uh, made decisions that were in error constitutionally that violated the state's rights and therefore that um, uh, there were other cases that should be revisited also. In this case, the civil rights of every citizen, uh, their birthright um, is being violated by a federal government giving citizenship away uh, without uh, uh, going through the, the process. And they claim the authority to do that, but it's, it's, it's uh, in violation of uh, the civil rights of all the existing citizens. And we have certain procedures for becoming a citizen, et cetera. And then trucking them at federal uh, control, federal expense, and a federal decision where to put them in the country, flying them all over the country and depositing them uh, throughout the country, uh, busing them throughout the country. Um, uh, the governors are the key there. The governors need to uh, literally tell uh, the federal government, the federal agencies, not one more person uh, through the border. And the citizens are going to have to uh, assert that. It's uh, the governors that protect the state rights in these situations. And uh, you've got a bunch of liberal governors that, you know, have a certain opinion. Well, the citizens still have to exert uh, control over those governors. And uh, they can do it through the legislature. It's a, it's a longer process. But the reality is a statewide emergency exists. You know, one of the things Abbott down there in Texas, here's a guy that uh, regularly attends Davos and World Economic Forum stuff. So he's in that club. Why isn't he protecting the border in Texas? Because he's in the club. Hello, he's in the club. So he's, he's, he's got a perspective that encompasses this, uh, this global, uh, uh, you know, plan. And it's at the expense of the citizens of Texas. And, and they would argue that, you know, well, this helps all of us because we'll be part of the, trade agreements and the commerce to the world and everything else. Bullshit. Uh, they're creating a situation with the replacement population where we're becoming slaves to these people that are being trucked and bussed and planed and, and brought in. Um, why? Slaves. How, how, how are we becoming their slaves? Because they're stealing your money through all sorts of federal taxes, all sorts of, of uh, mechanisms, and then handing it over to other people that haven't worked for or earned it, that don't have a citizen right for it. Uh, you're being stolen from, and when you have to work uh, in order to pay those taxes and you don't really want to do that, that's servitude. You're being made a slave to their globalist ambitions these globalista. So the question is, can we get it back under control? Ultimately, it's painful to hear, but it's going to happen at the state level. You can't show up in Washington, D.C. and protest. In fact, uh, that's the whole point of January 6th, is to make certain that everybody knows that you cannot go there and exercise your opinion in Washington, D.C., because uh, somebody's going to be there in the crowd to try and rabble rouse, get you off base, do something that uh, causes you to be construed as a bad guy. You know, the, the conviction of the Proud Boys the other day, uh, uh, they had 
certain people that hadn't actually gone into the building, but because of rhetoric, things that they said, uh, it could be construed that they were amping up the crowd, rabble rousing, and therefore uh, they may not have gone in themselves, but they're like the guy driving the getaway car. Uh, he's complicit because he drove them to the bank. They went in and robbed it, came back out, got in the car, and, and he drove them off. So you have to be very careful that you don't get construed as being part of one of these crowds. Uh, uh, states' rights and something done at the state, a little different. And, and those state court judges are not the same as the federal judges. And th there may be problems, but it's a lot closer to home. Uh, the courts in D.C. are just out of control. And uh, uh, so, you know, going to D.C., I know there's some groups right now pushing hard to get everybody to show up in D.C. and do it again. And, and you listen to the rhetoric, how they talk. I'll die for the country. I'll die to save this. I'll okay, I got it. I got it. But the problem is that they start the conversations uh, in a very confrontational uh, mode uh, and um, looking for somebody, you know, to make them, you know, suicide by cop. Uh, you know, uh, if they so much as breathe on me, I'm going to, you know, uh, respond in some you know, big way or something. We're a big group. And, you know, the, the fight isn't with the policing officers at the Fed. They're not going to change anything. You're not going to get Congress to change anything. I can get the president to change anything. At the state level, that's where you got a shot. And and it's going to come down to uh, governors in states doing the will of the people and saying, not one airplane's landing here. Nobody's getting out of that federal controlled airport into the rest of our state and, uh, you know, turn them back at the border with the buses and state patrol being out there. And if uh, they do get through, uh, put them in a state holding location, it's going to get that extreme. It's, it may sound extreme to even say that right now, but uh, over the ensuing months, uh, uh, you know, there'll be a first governor who says, okay, in my state, we're not putting up with it and the people will be right there to back them up. One of the problems we have right now is like in an Oregon, it's going to come out this week because we've got a whole bunch of whistleblowers that have now broken ranks with our Democrat controlled uh, nightmare that we have in this state. But I, and my theory has been for some time that this has been building, that they've been prepping the ground between Washington, Oregon and California to turn it over to a cartel rule. Well, it came out, it's coming out later this week or early next week that Tina Kotek, who's the new lesbian governor of the state, has been taking cartel money along with a lot of others. So this gets into a real difficult issue. It sounds like we're going to have to start working even closer to home, even to county and sheriffs, because this is um, this sort of corruption is the sort of corruption that's not only driving decisions, but it's also probably corrupting the election process as well. Well, and again, it may very well get down to the sheriff level. Uh, I, I remember being there with uh, the sheriff in an Eastern Oregon County uh, back some of the, during some of the dramas a decade ago. And uh, when feds showed up at a park in the southern portion of the county, uh, we got in the patrol car and raced down to the other end of the, of the county to find out what was going on and what they were up to. And, um, you know, they weren't clearing coming into his county with him before they got there and he wasn't too happy with what they had in mind and, and what they were doing. And, uh, uh, you know, he was pretty cautious about allowing him to just run roughshod in his County without his knowledge, of what was going on in agreement. Uh, you've got that kind of a situation evolving, you know, sheriff has, you know, more authority than any other, uh, law enforcement authority within the County. So, you know, that's, uh, again, going to have to be reasserted. Uh, you know, the, the LLCs, limited liability companies, um, uh, and I said corporation a few times. There's a difference. Uh, uh, a corporation's a corporation already has limited liability. Little, limited liability companies, LLCs. That's how they've been laundering money in and through the country um, for these cartels. And just to give you something that helps you to understand the magnitude of the uh, <clears throat> problem 
Yeah, if you remember the FTX, uh, or excuse me, the uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, down in California, it later came out. People said there was a you know a problem there, and it was because of interest rates changing and the bonds weren't worth as much. But uh, the head of the New York Fed actually provided the correct information that it was a one-time event. They had a major depositor that removed a large amount of money and that put them, that changed their balances and, and put them on the ropes. Well, that major depositor is arguably a cartel group and they took out $58 billion in one fell swoop. Uh, they, because uh, of other things that were happening in other places, felt that that money wasn't safe there and so they pulled it out in one fell swoop, and that's why the bank uh, collapsed. You have cartel money. That's 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 what Mike Gill is telling everybody, based on what's going on up in New Hampshire, and South Dakota, uh, with numerous reporters from around the world having researched the data that he's had. You know, going back to 2015, 16, 17, with the Pandora Papers, and then before that, the other reporter groups that were researching the Panama Papers. And uh, in the Pandora Papers, they tracked uh, between uh, New Hampshire with over $990 trillion or billion dollars, almost a trillion dollars uh, in cartel money. And then in South Dakota with $350 billion. I mean, those are numbers that you have to get your mind around, you know, uh, 10 times uh, the Department of Defense budget. Uh, just insane numbers. And uh, uh, that's, you know, they can buy anything, they can buy anyone. And if you don't want to buy in, they can, you know, you can have a problem with your family. Uh, they can get you somehow. They'll use government agencies to come after you or your kids, uh, you know, a, a hundred different ways because they got operatives all over the place. And that's what, that's what they proved even with, with uh, Mike. Uh, the other thing is, like, when they tried to settle with uh, Mike several times, Mike Gill, uh, the agencies that were named in the settlement included IRS, Treasury, DEA, that if he spoke about anything about what he found, remember, he was running for governor. He was he was worth a half a billion dollars personally. Uh, uh had the largest racehorse stables in the world. No, no riffraff. The largest uh, insurance company and bond company in the state of uh, New Hampshire. So no riffraff. And what he found on the uh, uh, corruption in the LLCs and the money laundering was just beyond epic. And so then you look out across the country and, and what you're seeing is that they that's kind of the choke point pass-through where they control the politics there locally. They control the banking regulations, et cetera. Uh, for example, the attorney general there in New Hampshire, uh, before he was leaving office, uh, prior attorney general, he said, we don't have to check uh, uh, accounts on people uh, for, you know, any concerns about money laundering, you know, uh, uh, on the transactions and all that, if they're a trusted customer. So who becomes a trusted customer? So all the other people, you or I, we might move five or ten thousand dollars, and and uh, well, they don't know us, so you know we better look and see and put in a, a transaction report on that person that they might be money laundering, but uh, their trusted partners can move fifty million, a hundred million, a billion dollars, and it's a trusted customer, and nobody even looks twice, and so they're passing this money out of the country. Uh, running it through corporations outside the U.S. and then bring it, bringing it back in. And now it's laundered. It's clean. It's, you know, uh, it's investment money. It's loan money. And, and this was stuff that we saw in Arkansas uh, back in the 90s. Arkansas Development Finance Authority, this pseudo-public-private corporation, that only the governor signs the checks when the money is loaned out and then nobody ever pays their loans back because it was a money laundering operation. Rose Law from where Hillary worked, um, you know, 95% of their business was writing these bonds that are listed on the stock market. They were subprime, uh, low uh, security rating because it was Arkansas, you know, 49th state in the union, arguably 
really the 50th economically. And they're using it for a money laundering hub. And uh, they had a dozen other states that were similarly set up. Uh, Kentucky Development Finance Authority, uh, where Stephen Nipper has a huge case, uh, you know, uh, uh, vote tomorrow running for Secretary of State, super guy. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, Illinois Development Finance Authority, Nebraska Development Finance Authority, all these states where the money was being laundered um, through these pseudo-public-private uh, companies, and it was uh, really a drug money uh, laundering operation. When we were looking at stuff in the 90s that was, uh, you know, tens of billions of dollars, now that's matured with the stuff up in, in New Hampshire and uh, South Dakota and a handful of other states that much smaller numbers uh, that has matured, and now we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, or billions of dollars, I should say. And uh, that kind of corruption, that level of corruption, is not survivable for the country. Um, uh, you know, and, and including stuff going in and out of, you know, for example, Ukraine. Um, why are we on the verge of nuclear war in Ukraine? Because the politicians involved. One, it turned into a nuclear uh, uh, dumpster so that uh, the corruption cannot be, um, you know, ferreted out. We don't get to, you know, bring the officials in and, and hear the story of, of how this money was transacted and where it went and like that. So all of that money laundering that went through the Ukraine and came back into the U.S. will never find the rest of the trail. That's the desire. And uh, that's why you've got to have Ukraine destroyed. It's like the mob. When they do a, uh, a restaurant or a sporting goods store and they've ripped it off, then at the end, before anybody can go in and examine the books and, and look at the inventory, they have a great big, huge fire. And the fire has to be so intense, there's no evidence left. Uh, you know, they're using rocket fuel, <laughs> seriously, especially in Ukraine. It's raw and it's real, your assessment. We look at this from a position of the citizens of the United States. This is something that needs a bigger hand than just the citizenry. This is going to take, obviously, an integrated effort for the awake citizens, but there has to be some solid law enforcement and prosecution, or this thing's going to continue to run rampant. Well, before it's all over, this is a really hard one, and people will not want to hear what I'm about to say. Um, we had, uh, you know, in, in the early days of the country, states were treated like their own countries. In fact, senators were, um, called ambassadors, uh, from the states to the federal government, uh, states rights. That's, that was the, the big choke point in the constitution was states rights. And, uh, so that you. Uh, you know, uh, the states, the governor of the state, the legislature of the state, they were supreme. The sheriffs within the state, they were supreme. Now, the federal government's completely out of control right now. They're not enforcing the Constitution or the laws, the oaths, anything. Uh, the federal courts are derelict at this point in time. Uh, although the Supreme Court did put the right decision out on, on Roe versus Wade, uh, they didn't stop abortion. They returned it to the states to uh, be something that was determined, adjudicated at the state level, not the federal level. Um, within, uh, you know, your military has been federalized, uh, your, your uh, state guard. And somewhere in here, the governors are going to have to push back and say, we're not letting our state card be sent halfway across the world or to any other places. Uh, we're sending them right back here to home to protect within the state. And uh, they'll be supplemented uh, at the state level by citizens. <clears throat> That's where the pushback ultimately is going to come. It's not a pleasant thing because most people just don't see how that can happen. But the only solution always has been the military. And the question is, uh, is it going to be out of, if you will, a Pentagon and these three-letter agencies, 
of you know they're at the core look look uh, uh when president trump signed the ins- or signed he didn't sign the instructions when he signed the executive order september 12th 2018 that said that from that point forward and remember this was done in an environment of russia 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 uh, uh subverted our election they accused trump of being inclusion when trump signed that executive order it ordered that Homeland Security would use all available resources within the Homeland Security system to watch for any signs of foreign interference in all future federal elections from that date forward. So when 2020 happened, uh, uh, there was a 45-day period when the director of uh, the Office of National Intelligence, uh, which at that time was Radcliffe, Director Radcliffe would then have to provide a report to the president and the other agencies, um, uh, you know, Congress, uh, et cetera, about any indications of foreign interference in the election. It's not a complete report. It was an interim report. That interim report was due on December 18th. That's when the, the president's advisors were there to try and get him to sign the Insurrection Act. Uh, I call them Job's advisors. And these are beautiful patriots who uh, were trying to get the president to sign the Insurrection Act, as Lincoln had done, and essentially uh, go out and arrest the heads of those agencies who were uh, insubordinate, who refused to provide the intelligence, the information from inside their agencies concerning foreign interference in the election. Radcliffe, three days before the report was due, came out publicly and talked to uh, uh, newspaper reporters and said, look, we know there was Chinese interference in the election. It's not Russian, it's Chinese. But some of the agency heads and uh, some of their key personnel are refusing to provide me with any of the information that's insubordination uh, attacking an election is an act of war so director radcliffe said very clearly to the world three days before that report was due that the heads of these agencies which is an appointed position not elected refused to provide the intel which doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the American people. It belongs to, uh, you know, people like the president who are elected to represent us uh, so they could act on it. They refused to provide the information concerning Chinese interference in the election. And then Radcliffe said, we don't know if the interference was adequate to overturn the election because we don't have any of the information. We don't know what we don't know. Um, had Trump signed the Insurrection Act, what would that have done? It would have allowed that uh, military personnel could go arrest the director of the FBI, could go arrest the director of the CIA, the NSA, any agency that didn't provide their intelligence, CISPA, the Cyber Intelligence uh, 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 Unit of Homeland Security. They could have gone and arrested them and taken them into custody and then got, got the data concerning foreign interference in the election. Now, Trump didn't sign that. Why? Because after those people left and he initially agreed to let Sidney Powell come in and try to drop the document, what it would look like, because, you know, it's been, hadn't been done since Lincoln and see if they can make it work. Overnight, uh, we know this from the January 6th trials I had talked about at the time, but it wasn't public, uh, you know, proven uh, until the January 6th trials or uh, uh, testimony from the House last year, uh, that President Trump met overnight uh, after uh, the other folks, uh, Flynn and Powell and uh, Giuliani and Pat Byrne like that left the White House. Uh, Generals, the general staff came in and consulted with the president and said, you can't sign the Insurrection Act. And the reason is because the country's evenly divided enough, we'll go into civil war. If we start arresting the heads of these agencies, Congress isn't going to back us up. We'll be in a full revolt with Congress. Why? Because why did those agency heads know that they were safe to be insubordinate and not provide their intel? Because uh, Congress liked the outcome of the election on the majority, Nancy Pelosi being in charge over there. Democrats holding control in the House, uh, 
they weren't going to um, back what would look like a military coup to take out those other appointed agency heads that Congress voted into those positions. So if Trump had signed the Insurrection Act, you'd have had the country going into some type of full-blown civil war and, and literally uh, states blocking off traffic and commerce and everything else state to state and the country uh, going into some type of internal conflict. You know, literally people eventually shooting at each other. Uh, and remember, that was before January 6th. Uh, part of the equation that was in there was if you do this, then come January 6th, you would have people showing up literally armed to take over, you know, the federal buildings, uh, Congress to stop the vote because, you know, Trump signed the Insurrection Act. Now, it may sound to some people like that would have been beautiful and necessary and everything else. Um, Trump's the guy that wouldn't let him bomb, bomb, bomb Iran. Got him right there to the edge with the aircraft running on the decks, everything heated up, ready to go. And then uh, uh, stopped the whole thing at the last moment. Because uh, when he asked how many civilians were going to be killed, and he told he wanted minimum civilian casualties, they said about 100 probably. And how many personnel, I should say, Iranians, not just civilians, but uh, military. And he says, gosh, that's large. And that's the lowest you could get us down to. And they said, you know, yes. Uh, you know, is, is that the highest? What, what could it go? You no, know, well, it could even be as high as 200. And uh, he famously uh, bolted it, that whole thing together based on the drone that got shot down. And, uh, you know, Iran's the fastest growing Christian population on the planet, by the way, for those of you churchgoers. Uh, he said, you know, one Iranian life is worth more than that $30 million drone, uh, put his pen back in the desk and said, uh, tell the troops to stand down, we're not going to bomb them. And then leaked that to the Iranian people. And that gave a lot of wind under the wings of the Iranian people that Trump said one Iranian life is worth more than a $30 million drone. Well, what are you going to say here in America? Trump wasn't willing to be the president that presided over America going into a full-blown hot civil war. Now, in the interim... It is painful. It's grinding. It's uh, it's been plotting for us, but we're making tremendous progress in showing that uh, there's problems in the vote and the way it's conducted. And and you know people like uh, uh, Caitlin over at CNN with the interview that she or the the uh, rally town hall that Trump did up in New Hampshire the other day can say that there's you know, no fraud in the 2020 election and blah, 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 and the courts this and the courts that. Well, <clears throat> she can say that, but um, well over half the American population and uh, a significant number of even the Democrats now are in agreement that there's something wrong in the election cycle. And so we have gained a lot of momentum in understanding that we're, we're going to have to change the elections. The elections, uh, uh, the poll that was just done the other day said that 56 think, percent of Americans or 58 percent of Americans believe that vote fraud is the most important issue facing America right now. Uh, and uh, so this is, you know, people understand there's vote fraud. You can say you can be in denial. It's true. And if you're getting people in power that don't represent you, who then vote on appointees who don't represent you over at FBI and CIA and NSA, uh, don't protect your interests um, as a citizen, violate your civil rights. If, you, if your vote isn't counted or if it's diluted by others that aren't citizens or who are, are made citizens through some arbitrary process, uh, that neutralize or nullify your vote, uh, dilute it. That's a violation of your civil rights. That's what's going on here in the country. And uh, the only way to get that back under control at this point with an out-of-control federal government is for states to reassert their rights. Um, it's not going to be the same all across the country and the states, but you know we had 32 states, including Texas, that went to the uh, Supreme Court and said, hey, six states are violating our 
rights and throwing the national election the way that they conducted their vote uh, in 2020. And the court said, well, it's not a federal issue. It's a state's issue. And, and so we're going to pass on this and send it back. Okay, well, it's a state's issue. And states are going to have to decide that uh, they want to protect their citizens. And the citizens are going to have to decide that they want governors and legislatures that will protect them locally. And it's going to come down to that they're not going to allow America to be infiltrated um, uh, at federal whim, uh, globalista controlling your governors and your legislatures. Uh, and that's where the conflict is going to uh, eventually come. It won't be all across the country. There'll be some governors, you're just not going to get them off of, but there's going to be plenty of states that, that will. And they call back their military. They, they uh, you know, refuse to let their state guard be federalized and start protecting the states. It's going to take months and months and months for this to play out, but it's going to be states that uh, force this. Now, that makes perfect sense. Let's go over some of the wins on the win column. You and I were talking about this over the weekend. Mm -hmm. In the midst of the of this type of a battle and information warfare, even when I was working up at Fort Meade, and in briefing that there is probably no more devastating form of warfare than a true information war, because you're distorting truth, you're breaking trust, and it's leaving a long series of systemic cultural scars. But within that, we have to also identify that there's been some pretty significant wins, especially since 2016 going forward. Can you just kind of highlight some of those? Well, I did uh, a two-part thing with Nino. We kind of raced through the second half because he had an airplane to catch, but I did two different shows on that. And uh, uh, short version is um, this isn't all one-sided. Uh, had Hillary won, a number of things that are just shocking would have occurred to America. We'd be in an entirely different kind of, of situation for America. Um we'd have been hit with a flurry of monsters over and over. And then you'd have had uh, that globalista crew in office to make sure that it went off as smoothly as possible in the takedown of America. Uh, it includes uh, the uh, takedown of the dollar back in 2018. You'd have had Bitcoin over 3 million a coin right now. Because remember, Bitcoin was a creation of DARPA, just like Facebook was a creation of DARPA. So all those people that think that you're a genius uh, and you got your cryptocurrency and it's, you know, it's, it's going to protect you. By the way, what's a crypto? If you go look up the definition of crypto, it's a hidden religion in plain sight. <laughs> so you have a religion of money. Um, and uh, uh, so this is a club that is working in plain sight. They get control of these federal agencies. And by the way, uh, the Saturnists were Nazis. The Saturnists were Rome. Uh, the Temple of Saturn was the treasury of Rome, <laughs> the first crypto, because uh, it's, it's a religion. And so uh, they'd have started with the monetary system here in the US and and that would have had us reeling very early on and then progressed to all the other things uh, with uh, uh, a much earlier uh, pandemic global in scale. When Trump won, they never believed it could have happened and it threw their timing off. You ever had a car where you got the distributor and you got the timing off? And that thing just barely, you know, can't get it to run. You know, when you start a new engine after you've rebuilt it or, you know, whatever, and you'll you'll guess on where the, the distributor has to be. And you start it up and it might sound pretty miserable <laughs> for, for a few seconds. You don't have to bend a rod or something. Uh, I had an engine once where they we just got it back from the builder and it was just a spectacular engine uh, uh, that was really well built. But... When the guy got the distributor in there, he wasn't thinking about the fact that we had solid lifters in this thing and, as opposed to hydraulic. And solid lifters means that it's a very precise mechanical connection that, that lifts the valves, opens up the valves. So if you're off too much, you can bend a valve as opposed to just having it cough and sputter. And so he had it just off enough crappy. He bent like four or five valves in the first two seconds. 
<laughs> it was very expensive. And and I had just asked about it, you know, probably five minutes from me, okay, are you pretty comfortable where you are on this thing? And oh yeah, yeah, no, no problem. This fish can't, you know. Well, I thought it was hydraulic. I said, I, I told you it's this solid lifters. Come on, man. Yeah, you know, it wasn't the end of the world, but it, it cost us several hours of nuisance. They were very expensive. But so the point is, um, you you have timing that can get thrown off. When when Hillary didn't win, it totally screwed with them on the timing of a number of events that they wanted to do had planned that were global in nature, and uh, uh, Trump being in there. And throwing monkey wrenches in, again, not letting the country go into some kind of internal chaos, civil war. Uh, they tried the Russia, Russia, Russia thing, um, which exposed them. Remember, you know, one of the great heroes that when this is all done and the history books are being written, uh, the pivot, the first major, major, major pivot that occurred that was a win that um, most people don't recognize was when Admiral Rogers, head of the most powerful of all the spy agencies on planet Earth, uh, you know, they, they don't let somebody get to the top unless they're vetted to outer space. They're known to be on a certain, you know, club and all that. So somehow Admiral Rogers had gotten past all their detection systems, had made it look like he was the... Uh, you know, cabals, insider, insider, let them get to the head of the NSA. And at the most critical moment, this and this people work a whole career in the spy world just to be in the right place for a few hours, a few minutes, uh, decades of work um, looking a certain way just for that one instant that can change the course of history. Admiral Rogers, uh, to all the cabalists, the globalista, looked like one of them to outer space. He's at the top of the tippy top, top, top. And uh, after Trump, uh, Hillary conceded the election. Uh, they just couldn't believe she could have lost with all the cheat and everything else they had in place. Uh, uh, 10 days after the election in 2016, and having the documents, the data, the information from in pres inside President T Trump's skiff, this secure uh, facility inside his building where he supposedly could talk to, you know, people that he was going to put inside of his administration and, and interview them and to work out the plans for how they're going to proceed. Uh, those communications are supposed to be able to be private. He has, you know, uh, he's going to be the next president. Uh, they were being listened to by the Obama administration under the auspices that, you know, it's Russia, 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 and all this other stuff. Uh, Admiral Rogers takes the documentation, the actual transcripts, throws them in his briefcase, doesn't tell anybody where he's going, steps out the back door of his office, and uh, doesn't go through the hallways and everything else, goes to uh, uh, his car, has his driver take him over to Trump Tower and rings the doorbell. Trump doesn't even know he's coming. And gets up there and, and very little conversation uh, and uh, puts the papers out in front of Trump. Trump sees the transcript of his conversations from secure stiff, skiff. Oh, shit, they're spying on me, <laughs> those little jerks. And uh, picks up, moves, and uh, sets up uh, headquarters someplace else the next day. Well, why did he do that? Because they were spying on him. That was a violation of his um, uh, position getting ready to bring in a new uh, government, a uh, new administration uh, elected by the people to represent the people. And he was being spied on by uh, the past administration and federal agencies that did not have any legal right to do so. And uh, that laid the groundwork for a lot of the legal stuff that's still going on right now. And um, so the fight's on. Uh, before it's all done, even though it may not look like it's going to happen now, before it's all done, all of those agency officials who were in on that spying are going to Gitmo or other similar places. And uh, before it's all done, those heads of those agencies, FBI, CIA, NSA, and former heads who may have been involved in collusion on this, 
uh, they're going to all get picked up and they're going away. And it's not going to be to the Justice Department courts. You can't get to justice in the Justice Department. It will be military. And uh, that's coming. It's coming uh, uh, like a freight train. And, uh, you know, people right now can ham and haw and no way. And I don't see how uh, nobody's going to convince them from this side of things that that's true, but it is true. And uh, in the intelligence world, um, I've mentioned a couple times here recently, I've got four pretty good contacts that I'm now aware are sitting on tribunals somewhere, but it's within subject matter expertise. Uh, I would have to say just speculating um, that it's something to do with people out of the uh, spy contractor uh, world. It's not public officials. It's not politicians. It's none of this stuff that you keep hearing about trolling where it's, you know, Hillary was arrested and hung yesterday or something like that. Uh, these are people you've never heard their name that were working somewhere behind the scenes and uh, they've been on trial. They, uh, if there's a conviction, uh, we'll probably get some kind of an opportunity to provide evidence uh, in other cases and start sifting that back through to, you know, these appointee positions uh, up through the ranks to get to the real monsters at the top. And that process is well underway. That I was aware of the first one uh, right at the tail end of uh, September of last year, I believe it was, uh, early October, right in there. And I was pretty skeptical. I was like, really? No. You know, that's all been BS. And then uh, had that confirmed. And then uh, three more uh, in the intervening months, uh, most recent about a month and a half ago. So, you know, these are people personally known to me that are somewhere on tribunals. It doesn't have to get, but there's plenty of other facilities. In fact, I think uh, at least uh, one of them is in a particular place that's uh, um, shared with another country. And uh, so... Uh, just kind of watching, but you know, that's all classified. You're not going to get to the bottom of that somewhere down the road. We'll probably hear about some or all of that, but uh, that's somewhere down the road. Well, Patriots, that concludes part one of a two part conversation tomorrow night. We'll play part two. I think really interesting is the observations into Admiral Rogers. And I want to highlight that because as one points out, the handshake club doesn't allow anybody in unless you play their game. And Admiral Rogers was able to get in and around these people, and he's not the only one. It changes our optic quite a bit on our expectations of who people are and what they've had to do. And I will tell you that in the covert sense of things, some of those pathways people have to walk are not always clean, nor are they easy. But what we do know is what Admiral Rogers pulled off was amazing. We have a lot of discord going on right now and breaking down things, looking at who's Masonic, who's this. The fact of the matter is we have to get through this phase. Ultimately, everything comes down to we the people. But we have to get through this phase of being able to peel off this massive labor layer of evil, which has seized control of every institution. And we're going to have to get down again to the fundamentals of just ruling by the people. But the reality is we, the people, aren't ready for that yet. And that's a tough red pill for everyone to swallow. Slowly we're awakening again to the nature of what our country actually is and was, but we have a long ways to go. And this phase right now is probably the most ugly of them all because we have to start confronting the depths of rancor and the true evil that has been running our lives and shaping the truths. So Patriots, with that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time we've come together and blessed for these opportunities to hear the voices of different perspectives on a problem. We're blessed with the opportunity to assemble here in a fellowship and ask that we continue to have the eyes to discern and see through this matrix of lies and find that pathway of truth. Father, these are difficult times, difficult times to separate good from evil. And yet, with that, we're going to have to continue to put our faith in you to find that way forward and to understand that not all things are perfect. As Paul was called on the road to Damascus, we remember a man that was cutting the heads off of Christians and 
later became a disciple. So, Father, we are in a difficult time right now where many are being called, many from the patriot ranks, many in our government. We pray for them. We pray that they hear the call and to answer that call and to do so, to stand up against evil, to understand that the true fight is the fight for truth and the fight to reset this nation where the people truly are at the throne of you, the throne of our our Savior, and to restore this country under your rule. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, patriots, tomorrow night we'll pick up where we left off. Until then or until the next time, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal, but that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait, But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. 
We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.